Welcome back to Teach Em Up, the podcast about teaching and learning. I'm Nick Williams. Uh, today, we are back for part two with Rosa Herrera, a physics and chemistry teacher at San Marin High School. Rosa, what's new? Hey, um, nothing. Not, not much since we last spoke, I guess. Quarantine yeah, behind the scenes. We last spoke uh, less than 24 hours ago, so yes, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect much to, to change. We're going to release these yeah. a week apart, but in real life... <laughs> We just saw each other. Yeah, yeah. I've been watching Hamilton. That's Ooh. new. Yeah, I started it last night. And? Um, it's streaming on Disney Plus. I love it. Yeah, nice. it's, 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 a fun, it's a fun one to watch. It's really long, but it's been fun. <laughs> I've heard very good things, but then I lost the password from my friend who subscribed. So oh, no. my, <laughs> my free supply has been cut off. Oh, no. Um, That's all right. We'll get it back. Yeah, yeah there we go. <laughs> Um, all right, so today we are talking about um, remote instruction uh, or distance learning, uh, basically the online version of school that we had to do for three months uh, from March 13th until the end of the school year, and that we may or may not have to do uh, coming back. Um, so, yeah. Whew. Fingers crossed that doesn't happen, but... Fingers yes. crossed. Um, so just to kind of give context... Uh, today is July 14th, and uh, we teach in the Novato Unified School District, and right now Novato's plan is to have every student come back um, every day, five days a week, uh, for in-person instruction. Um, they're giving a virtual academy option as well, so if uh, students, parents, families don't feel comfortable coming back in person, there will be a 100% online version. Um, but most students and all teachers would be coming back, or almost all teachers would be coming back um, face to face and uh, would be all running with like a minimum day schedule. Uh, mm -hmm. So all the students K through 12 um, mm -hmm. would have some kind of 8.30 to one o'clock ish kind of day. Mm -hmm. uh, at the high school level, um, we'd be doing three or four classes per semester for students. Mm -hmm. okay. um, and then students would be taking like two classes per day. Uh, they okay. would be in a cohort so that 20, 25 kids are all together in one classroom. Mm -hmm. um, and then the teacher would move between classrooms into that mm. cohort and teachers would see like two groups of kids per day. Oh, um, that's a very different setup. Yeah. That's not what I was imagining, but. I, yeah, it's, okay. it's kind of wild. So yeah, um, obviously strange. there's logistical challenges with that right. in that, right. um, we will need to have cohorts of students, cohorts of kids who are mm -hmm. taking all of the same classes. Uh, so normally in high school, you know, you'd have yeah. a different group in your math mm -hmm. class than in your English class. Right. And we like that system because it kind of mm -hmm. minimizes tracking. tracking yeah. um, <laughs> it means that you could be taking uh, geometry as a freshman, a, a mm -hmm. higher level math class, mm -hmm. um, but still be in a regular English nine class that's not all higher level math students. Um, and that's generally good for just getting diversity of thought and mm -hmm. interacting with more kids um, and reducing the chance of tracking students. Um, right. So uh, for this situation, because we need to minimize the number of contacts that everybody mm -hmm. has, um, yeah. we would have to track students at least for each semester. Right. Um, so, you know, they would have the same English, math, and say history class right. altogether. And then the wow. next semester, they'd have the same science, PE, mm -hmm. and health class. 
uh, oh, wow. or something okay. like that. They, they'd yeah. have to be kind of grouped for that semester. Wow. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that that's a our... very different system than I was imagining, but I get it. Compromising like health versus, <laughs> um, I don't know, flexibility, I guess, in taking classes one is more important than the other. I get it. It's just hard to imagine. <laughs> I, I think all the ideas are really hard to imagine. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously early on, one of the ideas that was being batted around a lot was like an A-B mm. schedule where students would come mm. to school half the mm. days. Right. Um, that was when our county health, uh, health officer was saying, you're limited to groups of 12. Okay. Um, right. And we just don't have enough teachers to be, mm -hmm. or rooms no. to be yeah. able to have kids uh, for only groups of 12. Right. Um, so either we were going to do like an AM PM kind of thing, mm -hmm. half the kids come in the morning, half the kids mm -hmm. come in the afternoon, mm, um, okay. or, but then the teacher still sees all the kids. So that's still yeah. the teacher is acting as a vector for the disease where right. the teacher could pass it on. <laughs> right. Great. Right. Right. Um, or you'd alternate days. So like somebody mm. would come Monday, Tuesday, and the other group would come Wednesday, Thursday, or I don't know, some variation. Mm -hmm. Um, so anyway, that's, that's kind of the direction that we're okay. thinking about right now. Okay. That's what's been okay. communicated out to families. Mm -hmm. um, okay. However, also in the last week, uh, mm -hmm. we have seen just about every major school district in the state uh, mm -hmm. come out and say that they are going to start school 100% um, remote. Uh, oh, wow. 100% okay. online. So LA has committed to starting 100% online, San mm -hmm. Diego, Oakland, uh, okay. Berkeley, Santa Clara okay. County. Um, mm -hmm. So a lot of the major California school districts are going mm -hmm. online. Um, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, indeed. Oh, okay. So, and the reason that they're doing that is mm -hmm. that our uh, coronavirus COVID-19 cases are skyrocketing right now mm -hmm. um, throughout the state of California, throughout mm -hmm. the country, um, with certain exceptions. It seems right. like the Northeast uh, is declining. Like right. New York, New Jersey had a terrible mm -hmm. uh, first couple months mm -hmm. and their cases have really declined. Right. Um, but a lot of other places, uh, California, we were in pretty good shape early on mm -hmm. and now we've seen a real increase. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Unfortunately. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not ideal. Mm -hmm. uh, not ideal for life and not ideal yeah. for teaching. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, Obviously the education <laughs> piece is, is one small element of that. Right. But. Um, but what that does mean is all that work that we did in trying to learn how to teach remotely mm -hmm. um, is going to become important. Yes. <laughs> uh, and probably regardless of which way things end up working out, mm -hmm. um, even if we have face-to-face -face instruction, mm -hmm. um, we would still only see students for one semester instead right. of um, the full year. Because okay. students would take half their classes in the first semester and half in the second semester. And we'd Sorry. only see them for about I've... half of the hours that we would normally see them. Right. Um, Quick question on that, like, I guess, logistical end of it. Yeah. Um, would then we be teaching like physics, let's say, in one semester, and then the students are expected to complete the second semester at a different time? Or is that one semester our one year? Um, that's that's correct. So we would have to okay. be condensing oh, wow. okay. mm -hmm. a full 180 day school year okay. <laughs> down into a 90 day semester. Uh, I see. And then okay. even beyond that, because you'd mm -hmm. only be seeing the kids every other day for 90 right. minutes, 
uh-huh. be taking the semester and, or the, the whole year and okay. condensing it down to 45 sessions face-to-face, right. um, each that are 90 minutes. Wow. Okay. So it's, it would be cutting, cutting the face-to-face hours in half. I see. Okay. Um, with each class. Okay. Uh, so obviously that provides mm-hmm. some challenges. Huge changes. Yeah, yeah. huge challenges. Okay. Um, it, it kind of necessitates, even if we're face-to-face, mm-hmm. that there is going to be an online component. Oh, yeah. Uh, exactly. student, students are going to have to style maybe what's that like a flipped classroom style maybe yeah um, I don't know yeah yeah so um, I thought we should sit down and kind of talk okay. through mm-hmm. um, a what did we learn from okay. distance mm-hmm. learning from okay. remote instruction yes. uh, what worked what didn't work mm-hmm. and what would we bring into our classroom going forwards um, okay. and I think we'll have to talk about it in a few ways number one mm-hmm what will we bring in for this upcoming year? Uh, because things are gonna be kind of wild and unpredictable. Right. And then two, uh, what are we gonna actually say that worked? Um, mm-hmm. And I would bring that in even when the coronavirus completely goes away mm-hmm. and we're back to our normal school schedule. Right, right. Um, so let's, let's kind of run through. Okay. Um, and. As, as a side benefit, you have, so like we both taught three months for the, the finishing up of our school year. Right. Um, right. And now you've also been doing some additional online instruction, correct? Yes. Yes, that is correct. I am in summer school right now. Um, and we're doing something very similar to, I guess, the condensed version of what we're hoping to do in Novato, um, except uh, we get one month to do a whole semester's worth of work. Um, so I am definitely living through that challenge right now in, um, getting the kids to pass a semester long class in a month. Um, and it's hard. <laughs> um, I think one of the biggest things right now that I'm thinking of, cause I didn't know about the plan for Novato and, um, our, I guess the plan to condense the year into a semester, um, is that I think the reason for me or what really worked in remote learning for me was that I already knew the students and we already had a connection and um, I didn't lose that many, or I mean, that's a relative term. I lost a few students in remote learning, but I feel like I would have lost a lot more. In terms of their engagement and they're showing up for remote instruction? Yes. Yeah. yeah, I I probably had like 70 or 80 that would show up. as opposed to like the 100% that I would get when, or I guess a little less than 100, but I, I lost a few in the transition from in, in person to remote. Um, and I feel like what really helped is that we already had a really good connection, or I did at least with a lot of my students. And so it was not that hard to um, keep them motivated, um, if not for the class, for just listening to me talk for some reason. <laughs> Um, that kept some of the students going um, and like turning in assignments, but it's harder um, not knowing them first and not having some sort of face-to-face. Like for my uh, summer school, I don't know any of the kids and we start off with just knowing each other on camera and it's not the same even introductions aren't the same. Mm-hmm. Like 
um, I can't even see like half their faces sometimes because uh, they have poor video quality or like whatever the reason. It just feels a little more distant and um, I don't know. <laughs> it's hard. I'm still processing like it's going to be a lot different, I think, um, going back if we don't go back at least with some face to face. So yeah, I think I'm that's glad a that we'll have some of that. I, I think that's a component where a lot of teachers want to start face-to-face. -face. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, we may not necessarily feel safe or comfortable with the coronavirus yeah. component of face-to-face. -face, yeah. But on an instructional level, just being able to build a classroom culture, mm -hmm. um, we feel a lot more comfortable doing that when mm -hmm. we're able to be in the same space as a kid. Right. Uh, right. And the prospect of trying to build a classroom culture where there's no physical classroom. Yeah. And when we're just on a screen together mm -hmm. seems really challenging. Yes. Um, yes. So I, I think that's a really important component that regardless mm -hmm. of how the school year starts, building a classroom culture is going to be really important. Right. Um, yes. And then figuring out a way to take our normal getting to know you activities mm -hmm. and trying to translate some of them. Um, mm -hmm. to online instruction if that's the way it has to be. Right, right. Um, I, I would argue even with limited class time, mm -hmm. it's going to be super important to invest in building the classroom culture, building yes. the student-teacher relationships and yes. the student-student relationships mm -hmm. so that they feel like they're all part of a team. A part of something, yeah, yeah. Because um, then you lose their like motivation and engagement really quickly if they don't care or don't, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> don't feel like they're a part of something, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it'll be tough. <laughs> so that's, but... that's definitely a component that we've, we've got to be really conscious of. Mm -hmm. um, and teachers tend to, you know, start the year with some kind of semi-academic and semi-let's-build-some-skills um, right. I normally start the year with like, I teach physics and engineering. Mm -hmm. So we do a few little like mini building challenges right. yeah. um, where we're technically doing engineering, uh, but mm -hmm. we're just building paper towers. Right. Um, okay. mm -hmm. And it's like a 10 minute challenge, mm -hmm. build the tallest paper tower with your group that you can. And mm -hmm. really the goal is just talk to each other. Right. Right. Um, and it feels less forced than the, the mandatory, like, write down three things about your partner, mm -hmm. do a, mm -hmm. a partner interview. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> so they're, they're still working on something academic, right. but it's something where I don't care about the product. I mm -hmm. only care about them interacting with each other right. and right. getting to yeah. know each other. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, um, now how we do that digitally will mm -hmm. have to change. Right. Um, right. So hopefully we still get that face-to-face -face component to be able yes. to at least build that foundation mm -hmm. uh, in the first week or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. But we'll see. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, um, I think the having the three classes as opposed to six will hopefully make the transition a little easier. They'll have less responsibilities, I guess, in keeping up with six different classes. Um, so maybe that'll change, I think, their, mm, not work ethic, but it'll just I think change the way they view your class. Yeah, organizationally, it, yeah. it puts less balls in the air for the students. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, if they don't have six classes worth of, um, you know, deadlines to pay attention to, mm -hmm. 
hopefully they can pay better attention for four classes worth of deadlines right. or three yeah. classes worth of deadlines. <laughs> right. Um, so just in terms of other models, mm -hmm. um, we also looked at uh, the feasibility of doing a single class at a time, mm. um, which is kind of like what you're doing for summer school. Yes. Um, yes. You have kids for, what is it, four weeks? Mm -hmm. Four yeah. weeks, yeah. So we were, we were looking at like a six-week session. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, in person. Mm -hmm. uh, so it would be one teacher with one group of kids for six right. weeks. Okay. Um, in class together, and you would try to bang the entire year's worth of instruction mm -hmm. into those six weeks. Oh, man. All yeah. right. <laughs> uh, which was also kind of a wild plan. Yeah. yeah. Um, the benefit is that the kids are only focused on one thing. On one class, yeah. Um, the downside is for mm -hmm. things that require repeated practice. Right. Um, yeah. Which I think especially is looking at like math and world language. Mm -hmm. um, learning a new language requires repeated practice. Mm -hmm. uh, trying yeah. to do six weeks of intense instruction no, and yeah. then not touching on it again for a year yeah. would be pretty challenging. Yes. Um, so wow. anyway, we didn't, we didn't go with that way. Okay. Uh, okay. But you are doing something similar and yes. you're <laughs> using a, kind of like an online learning, mm -hmm. preset learning platform, correct? Yes. Yes. It's called um, Edgenuity. Okay. Um, and I imagine it's very similar to Apex in that... Um, the lessons and the curriculum is already set up and it, it's like little modules and each, I guess each course they call it is divided into sections and there's like mini lessons in each section and quizzes at the end of each lesson and then a test at the end of each unit and then a major test at the very end. So very like traditional school structured, um, like textbook structure, um, oh. but it's all online. And all the lessons are like pre-recorded, um, and I think it's just like all set up for the students. Um, yeah. Yeah. So um, that I mean, I think textbook style is a good description of that. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> it's really like old school direct right. instruction. Yes. Um, <laughs> just delivered through a different platform. Mm -hmm. It's delivered mm -hmm. through a web-based online platform. Right. Right. Um, but the kids watch a video, they do a little mm -hmm. reading, maybe there's mm -hmm. an interactive thing for them to play with, a simulation, mm -hmm. and then they answer some questions, take a quiz, yes. and then it's on mm -hmm. to the next module or unit. Right. Correct? Right. Yes, that's correct. Or there's um, multiple videos or multiple reading pieces. Right. But yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they have, um, I think, a few like videos per um, lesson, and then they do like a little activity, um, and then every once in a while they'll do what they call a wet lab, um, which is really just like take a poster and some crayons and like draw the water cycle and explain <laughs> the processes. <laughs> that sounds um, like the least wet water cycle yes, lab you could possibly I do. I know. I'm like, hmm, I don't know why they call it a wet lab. Um, and then they have like virtual labs. Um, but yeah, I think in essence, they're trying to incorporate a lot of project-based stuff. Um, given like the limited amount of resources that um they think the students have at home yeah. uh, even even then though like my students are like i don't have a poster and i was like don't worry about it right <laughs> like i don't um, have this okay and i think um you know that sounds super not project-based yeah, um yeah. <laughs> i uh I think mm -hmm. a lot of districts are going to kind of default to something like that yes. if they're 100% mm -hmm. online um, mm -hmm. because it's an easy thing to roll out. 
Um, they pre-exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, you buy a license for it. You put the kid on there, mm-hmm. and theoretically, the kid can work through at their own pace. Right. Um, right. Get credit for the work that they did, and boom, they have learned it. Right. Um, right. I I tried using a platform like that. Uh, mm-hmm. for some of my students. It was the one mm-hmm. called Apex. Right. right. Um, that's mm-hmm. the one that our district has used. And I think mm-hmm. uh, our district's virtual academy, the option if people choose to go 100% online, mm-hmm. um, will be something like that. It'll be a, okay. a preset virtual uh, online learning platform right, where right. students work at their pace, go through okay. stuff, um, can get mm-hmm. some help from an adult uh, right. virtually. But mostly mm-hmm. it's like, go through, read the stuff, answer the question, next. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I tried using the Apex one with some of my biology students mm-hmm. um, and put it out there as an option, like, hey, we're doing hands-on uh, stuff, but if you mm-hmm. don't like it and you want to try Apex, or if you mm-hmm. missed a unit and you didn't do very well and you want to show that you understand it and mm-hmm. increase your uh, your grade, increase your proficiency, mm-hmm. uh, go back, rework the unit, and right. through Apex, like here's the one that has the right name, I've enrolled mm-hmm. you in that course, uh, and I'll come back and check and see and up- update your score based on that. Okay. Um, and what I found is that uh, students just didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, students, students hated it. <laughs> yes. Uh, some of the, I think the, the longest that one of mine persisted in it was five hours and 45 minutes. Oh, wow. um, okay. <laughs> got through like one unit uh-huh. um, and then sent me a bunch of emails about like, hey, uh, I think I got the answers right, but it's marked them all wrong. Um, because a lot of the questions had kind of ambiguous answers. Oh, yes. Um, and I, I went through and I tried to answer them and Uh I majored in evolution and ecology. I feel Uh this was about ecology. Right. Um, Right. And I was getting like 70 to 80% of the questions. Right. right. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Which I would not have expected. I, I Uh thought I should probably be closer to a hundred. Um, But I could see like there were a lot of questions where there were five options and it was like, which of these are examples of um, secondary succession? Mm -hmm. And as Mm -hmm. I was reading through them, I'm like, I I mean, depending on what you're counting, Uh uh, Uh like what what type of grass and when is the grass coming in? And yes, uh, Yes. maybe four or maybe as few as two of these things. Right. Yes. Um, But if they were looking for three and you Uh only clicked two of the five options, the question Mm -hmm. was wrong. Yeah. So I, yeah. I could see where kids would get mm-hmm. really confused because it was a lot of like, well, I could make a justification for a few answers mm-hmm. here. Yes. If, um, if you explain it in a different way. Yeah. But you can't because it's just click the box yeah. and it's either right or wrong. Yeah. Yeah. For our tests and our quizzes as well, there is no open-ended like answer this in a sentence. Um, it is all multiple choice. And like you said, a lot of the questions are um, more than one apply, check all that apply. And they don't tell the students how many apply. Mm-hmm. Um, and the tests are only like 10 questions. So if you get three wrong um, or like four wrong, you already aren't passing. Because um, I think 60% is passing, but then um, anything lower than that is not for them or for at least for our program. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like like you said, I also went through and I was getting like 80s. Like, oh shoot, I should I should not be getting this low. Um, so it's it's very like specific, very vocab um, heavy, and they definitely like all the questions are very worded, like worded really funny. Um, and 
when I'm tutoring, I definitely feel like I'm teaching to the test and only mm -hmm. to the test. And it's like, well, I can talk about all these other cool examples and cool things that relate, but I, you don't need to know that and we don't have time. And you only need to know like this question because this is going to be on the test and I can't elaborate any further because like you won't see it and it, I don't want to waste your time. But yeah, I right. think... <laughs> So I, I think the, the benefit of that platform or those types of mm -hmm. platforms is they're easy for districts to roll out. Mm -hmm. um, yes. You just give the student the link and they have the yes. log on and then you mm -hmm. can theoretically say like, wow, well, we gave you access to all the curriculum. It should, mm -hmm. should be good. Mm -hmm. um, and you don't need a whole lot of supplies at home. Right. Right. Um, the downside is mm -hmm. that they don't seem very engaging. No. Uh, yes. The students <laughs> don't engage with them. Mm -hmm. And uh, curriculum-wise, it does feel like we're going backwards like mm -hmm. 20 years or so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, it's losing a lot of what I would say is good teaching practice. Mm -hmm. Yes. So that is a challenge uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, one that, you know, we'd probably try to avoid. Mm -hmm. um, so let's talk about what kind of is working. Okay. Um, so when you were doing remote instruction... Mm -hmm. uh, let's start by kind of talking about direct instruction. Okay. So I think direct instruction is one area where mm -hmm. um, we could do a really good job through right. virtual instruction. Yes. Yes. Um, um, go ahead. No, sorry. Um, I, in my classroom, did not do too much direct instruction. Um, and like all of the sciences, I guess you included, um, we don't do too much direct instruction because um, we focus a lot on projects and on hands-on stuff and on group work. Um, but I did get, I mean, okay. I did still did direct instruction. And I, um, I want to say about 40 minutes per week is eh, probably less. Like 30 minutes a week is what I needed mm -hmm. to get all that I needed to get out there in order for them to um, be able to practice like the equations that they were working with or like any other thing that we were introducing that week. Um, so I feel like remote learning worked really well in that I was able to kind of get those 30 minutes out and, um, like delivered and, um, no interruptions. It was kind of like really easy, like here are all that you need. And the rest of the time or the rest of the week was, we're going to practice this and we're going to do this. Um, it was a lot, definitely a lot challenging because I couldn't see them practicing the equations, but, um, I think direct instruction was not was not a hard thing for me to be able to do remote learning or like yeah during remote learning yeah i think that's one of the really big pieces mm -hmm. is it kind of brings up the question how important is direct instruction right <laughs> um, and it, as you mentioned mm -hmm. i don't think it's very important right <laughs> um, i think having yeah. really clear expectations mm -hmm. and really clear directions Mm -hmm. is super duper important. Yes. <laughs> That's like really, really key. Right. Um, yes. But the actual amount of direct instruction needed, mm -hmm. uh, I made the mistake of going back and like looking at my YouTube views. I was posting all of my little mini lessons okay, yes. on, on YouTube uh -huh. and having students watch them through there because they could all mm -hmm. get access. Right. Um, and some of my direct instruction videos, mm -hmm. I got four total views. <laughs> um, oh, man. Yes. Yeah. And it was like yeah. a 10 minute lesson and the yeah. average watch time was like one and a half minutes. Oh man. Um, okay. So it was All like, right. Okay. Uh, but yes. the quality of work that they were turning in was really good. Yeah. 
Um, So it seemed like they didn't need a lot Mm -hmm. of some of the direct instruction that I thought was really necessary. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, when we're in class together, they don't have an option and I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, talking and doing my thing and Mm -hmm. sometimes talking more than I probably should. Right, right. (laughs) Um, Yes. I think one of the benefits is that of the remote instruction piece Mm -hmm. is I don't know how much direct instruction is like super duper necessary. Right, right. And then um, I think, as you mentioned, it helps Mm. us trim down that direct instruction to the really core ideas. Yes. And because it's on video, you can Mm -hmm. go a little bit quicker Mm -hmm. and then let students pause and process Mm -hmm. and then go back and watch it again if they need it. Right. Yes. So I, I started getting into more of a model of like, I posted a PDF document of like, here's all my mm. notes. Okay. Um, right. Like written plus diagrams and stuff. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then here's a video of me talking through them as I write them out. Right. Um, right. So, you know, it, it gave students both options. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of them, if they read through everything and they were like, that makes total sense and I can mm-hmm. already do the practice work. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they know how to do what I want them to do. Right. So that's brilliant. Right. <laughs> um, so right. I think that's, that's one area where um, I think remote instruction was really informative. Mm-hmm. That for sure. um, it can be positive for direct instruction because yes. it gives students access to all mm-hmm. the direct instruction they need mm-hmm. yeah. um, without too much. Without overdoing uh, it. Yeah. yeah. Sitting around. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, um, I definitely agree. Um, yeah, I think my videos were like 15 minutes and it was like every two weeks we like introduced a new thing and they needed more direct instruction, but it definitely allowed for more practice time, which was nice. Um, the only downside is I like, I couldn't see their aha moments or their struggling moments, but. (laughs) Right. And that's, I think an area when we get to like the guided practice piece, right. Um, that's where the online part is really hard. Mm Mm-hmm. Because yes. uh, as teachers, we're really used to having some of that formative feedback mm-hmm. of like yeah. watching them work on a couple problems right. or, right. and then seeing like, oh, you're making yeah. this mistake right here. Mm-hmm. And I can fix that in three seconds right. by just telling you right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, when you can't just walk mm-hmm. around a room and see 30 kids work mm-hmm. uh, in a minute, yeah. yes, then you lose that little formative piece. Yeah. And you lose yeah. the, what I think is the most important part, which is like the just in time instruction. Yes. Um, yeah. Where it's like, you're working on this and here, mm-hmm. let me teach this for 30 seconds right mm-hmm. now. Cause mm-hmm. half of you are making this mistake. Mm-hmm. Now keep going with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely something I missed is like when we were face to face, I was able to like, everyone stop for a second. Like I either explain this wrong or something's going on and like, let's kind of go over it real quick. Um, yeah, that's something that I, I miss about not being face to face is that I had to individually (laughs) be Mm -hmm. like, oh shoot, like, no, you interpret it wrong or, or something. Yeah. And so often because we don't know what the like little things that are going to trip students up are, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we're just not ready for that formative PE. It's really, really tough to anticipate where you think that stumbling block is going to be. Yes. Sometimes yes. they're consistent. 
Like mm-hmm. there's always going to be like, oh, no, units. You forgot right. to con- convert units. Right, right. Um, But then there's others where it's like, oh, I did not anticipate that as a stumbling block, but mm-hmm. I see that it is. Right. So let's right. fix it immediately. Right. Um, okay. So obviously direct instruction is a mm-hmm. component of it. Um, yes. And you talked a little bit about going to a semi-flipped classroom. Right. Um, and a flipped classroom is where the instruction is online through little videos. Mm-hmm. And then the practice is done face-to-face in class. Right. right. So if we have the opportunity to mm-hmm. have time face-to-face in class, right. um, I think that's the model to go with. Yeah. Um, I feel like it would be a waste of time to do direct instruction when you only have so much time with the students. Yes. I think it's just not like have, yeah, have the instruction be when they can do it on their own and they can pause the video on their own. But I think the important part is being able to see, like you said, the moments where you see everyone and they don't get it and them practicing it as opposed to you just kind of delivering. Yeah. So a flipped classroom, you're turning the homework Mm -hmm. part into Mm -hmm. the direct instruction. Right. Or you're turning the direct instruction into the homework. Right, right. Um, And then you could have them start some practice problems Mm -hmm. um, or have them do the practice problems in class so that you can Mm -hmm. see where those errors are coming and Mm -hmm. immediately correct. Right, right. Um, So the other piece that you mentioned is um, you keep your direct instruction pieces really short. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Um, and you were mentioning even on the online platform, mm-hmm. when you're going back and helping re-explain things to kids, right? you can take what, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, um, so I guess to give a little bit of background, um, my summer school program is all Spanish speaking students and the program that they're using is English and it has like a translation um, for all the quizzes and all the tests and the assignments that they're doing so they can translate it into Spanish. But um, the actual like lessons that are pre-recorded um, are in English and they don't get a transcription or like a transcript for what they're saying. Um, and there's no captions or anything. So my role and why I was hired is um, to translate the lessons and to help them understand um, like, I guess what it is that they're learning for that lesson. And um, I think that one is like the language barrier, but even the students that can speak English, I think um, their frustration with those like little lessons is that um, they explain things in a really, really slow way, or maybe they just speak slowly. I don't know what it is, but it takes them like 15 or 10 minutes to explain um, something that like should not take that long. Um, an example that they were giving me is they're supposed to be able to learn how to read a geologic um, like time scale and like those graphs where um, it has like the Precambrian and then all the three eras and then the eras are divided into periods. Um, and they're just supposed to know how to read it. And I think the video goes over it in like 15 minutes. And I was like, well, really, you just need to know this, this and this. And it took me like three minutes to explain it. And they're like, oh, like that's what the graph is saying. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's like, like first, okay, it takes first like set of numbers is millions of years ago. Mm-hmm, Second mm-hmm. column is the name yeah. that they gave that era. Yes. <laughs> um, look between the two sets of millions of years ago, and that's the name uh-huh. of that era. Yep. And then the next yep. column is what kind of plants and animals might have existed then. Right. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Done. Yeah. And like, and that's how you read it. And 
they're just like, oh my God, the lady takes forever to explain that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I can see their frustration in that, like, these videos, they have to sit through them and they can't like fast forward or click out of them. They just um, explain things in a really long way. I think that also is like, oh, like direct instruction can be boring sometimes if, I don't know, <laughs> the students don't feel like they're getting much out of it. Totally. And I think that's um, the other piece of the direct instruction is that it has to be really short. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And when I say really short, I mean like take what you thought would take 10 minutes mm -hmm. and yeah. try to make it five. Right. Um, right. Even, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a number of minutes. Right. It's a density of information. Like mm -hmm. you want high density of information. Mm -hmm. talking at a reasonable pace so you're right. not like rattling things off crazy fast right right but it has to be um short so that it mm -hmm. feels dense and uh interesting right. all the time and then number two yes. it has to be interesting yes i yes. feel like That's i've felt one. this just <laughs> yes. watching like pr videos mm -hmm. um and I, right now there are a lot of videos coming out about oh, okay. stuff that i'm interested in Right. Um, like, right. oh, what's happening with the coronavirus numbers? Or right. um, what's our what's our school district going to do about coming back mm -hmm. in the fall? Right. Um, right. What is the plan for grades or uh, credit, no credit last right. semester? Right. Um, like, there's all this stuff. And they've been great. They've been putting out, like, word releases and then also mm -hmm. video releases. Oh, okay. And mm -hmm. I'm really interested in it. And I want mm -hmm. the information. And the uh -huh. video is only seven minutes long. Oh, nice. Okay. But uh -huh. often it's a person standing in front of a screen just kind mm. of like talking through things. <laughs> right. And I get bored right. in the first minute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I'm a grown man who uh -huh. wants to know the information. Right. Uh, but having a person standing in front of a screen is just yes. not very interesting. Not. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's professional looking. Uh -huh. But I yeah. think the thing to remember <laughs> is like professional looking doesn't mm -hmm. captivate a high schooler's attention. Right, right, yeah. Especially um, if it's on a video. Yeah. Um, like used to watching TikTok videos or used to mm -hmm. watching interesting YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. so we kind of have to raise our game yeah. in order to actually keep them interested yes. in watching uh, like academic videos. Right. So our right. direct instruction has to get better at incorporating more pictures and less mm -hmm. a person on a screen. Yes, more visuals for sure. Yeah, so you um, did a great, you did a great example. I think it's like, it's just like realizing that we really like to talk. And if we're going to film ourselves, I feel like for me, the first time I filmed myself, I like redid it because I was like, oh, a lot of what I'm saying, like, <laughs> it's just me talking and it's not very interesting. Um, so it's just, I don't know. It, like you said, it's like condensing everything that you think you need to say into like really just like short and like, this is, this is interesting. I'm going to keep this and like, this is necessary, but yeah, I think we definitely can condense all the direct instruction into like, <laughs> yeah. And full sure. disclosure, um, I get how ironic and hypocritical it is to talk about mm -hmm. how just talking is not that great on a podcast right. format. Um, cause here we are <laughs> yeah. literally just talking. Um, and you're not even getting like the video. It's just, just voices. Uh -huh. Um, but for, for a format of learning, mm -hmm. uh, right. you know, sometimes yeah. long form conversation can be really interesting, mm -hmm. right? but often it needs to be short. Here's what you need to know. There mm -hmm. you go. For um, students, I think, <laughs> especially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you did a really good, interesting mm -hmm. example of that where you, 
did like a lesson on carbon. How, how did you structure that? Um, for my chemistry class, yeah. When we found out that um, we weren't going to be doing tests, um, I guess when we first found out that the, the way finals were going to go were um, not the traditional way that we were used to. And I guess, like, for me, I've only done finals for a year, so it, I wasn't super attached to finals in general. I wanted to make the final for our chemistry class be something that was still relevant to them. Um, I struggled a lot with my chem students in that, um, like in the last month, because a lot of what we were going over was like stoichiometry and math-based and um, they just couldn't see it and we couldn't do like experiments really. Um, and so the last unit we did like a climate chemistry uh, unit and um, the project for me was for them to research um, something in something that was chemistry related that was um, going on in the environment currently and I think coronavirus came at a nice time for that. We were seeing a lot of articles about um, how like the Himalayas had decreased pollution and um, how um, the like the streams in like Italy and Venice or wherever um, were starting to see like cleaner levels of um, pollutants and so I had them like do a research project and I gave them an example of what I wanted theirs to look like um, so I basically like filmed um, what I expected or um, an idea of what they could do um, for their project and um, yeah, I think it was, it was just like a short um, little research project. Well, it wasn't a short research project. I wanted it to be fairly extensive, but I just gave them like um, some slides and I went over how I structured my research around, um, I guess, the pollutant that I focused on. Um, and I got, I, I got really good um, student work from that. I got students who did like YouTube videos um, and I got students who um, did like their own like book for children. So it was, it was a fun, I guess, project knowing that like you aren't going to be graded. We just really want to know what you are interested in, in in regards to chemistry and the environment. Yeah, so I think that is a really good model um, mm -hmm. and it kind of highlights a number of things that uh, we're kind of learning about remote instruction through mm -hmm. this process. Um, mm -hmm. The first one is the idea that like we didn't give final exams. Um, mm -hmm. We gave final projects uh, because traditional final exams yeah. are normally like the multiple choice test. And mm -hmm. at best, well, multiple choice is a bad test format in the beginning. Right. Um, right. It's generally like fact-based. Mm -hmm. uh, and now that kids can look stuff up, they should just look up the answers. Um, and it's especially right. a bad format if you're going to be remote, um, because then, of mm -hmm. course, students can cheat on it. Um, right. If they're taking right. it on their own time, in their own <laughs> space, with their own device, yes. uh, then if you're not looking up the answers, I, you should be. Mm -hmm. um, it's barely even cheating. It's right. just using the resources that right. are available. So a right. multiple choice test, not a great uh, option, which is mm -hmm. why we shifted to more of a project, uh, final project-y model. Right. Um, and then what I really liked about the one that uh, you put together was, A, it was current and uh, relevant for students. 
-hmm. um, and then B, the way that you kind of went through the direct instruction component of it is mm -hmm. you showed them an example of what you wanted. So it was really clear expectations, um, mm -hmm. really clear directions. And then mm -hmm. when you presented it, they could see your face. You were almost like screen sharing your thing. Mm -hmm. um, right. But then it was also like tons of pictures that were turning over fast. So right. you showed yeah. them yes. uh, graphs of pollution mm -hmm. levels. You showed them pictures mm -hmm. of the Himalayas on this day mm -hmm. and then on this day. Um, right. You went through like, here's a picture of the chemicals that are involved. And here's what right. um, you know coal dust looks like. And here's what mm -hmm. black coal is. And here's chemically mm -hmm. how it... Uh, manifests and here's mm -hmm. you know, wh what happens when it washes into a stream and so there was right. all of these components that mm -hmm. were coming out fast mm -hmm. but it was really followable um, mm -hmm. and it kind of showed students look here's how you use words through the speaking mm -hmm. and pictures yes. <laughs> on the screen right. um, and graphs and then analysis of graphs and it was a really nice like kind of pulling it all in together and I think that's the model that we kind of have to go to for right. direct instruction. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I, I, I think that, uh, you know, some of the old Khan Academy videos um, right. where it's just a whiteboard and somebody writing on the whiteboard and talking over it. Um, I mm -hmm. think it's awesome that they've mm -hmm. made those free right. and available for everybody, but they are yes. so boring. Uh -huh. Yes. Um, and <laughs> Khan Academy has done a lot of work to make them, yes. um, you know, more interactive. So now it's like, mm -hmm. watch this video and then mm -hmm. answer a question. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. if it's still just like writing on a blackboard, it's mm -hmm. not interesting. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think um, it, that's, it, it can work for like a motivated student who really wants to learn that material. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, but when you're trying to give it to a whole bunch of high schoolers who maybe are less invested in learning all of that material. Right. It, it has to be engaging. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that I, I learned before, um, not learned, but it's something that I had started doing before remote learning is um, if I'm going to show slides, they're, they're going to be pictures um, because like, I, I should know what I'm talking about. I shouldn't need words. I feel like, yeah, a lot of the students when they present, they like type everything out, and it's like, well, if you research this well, you shouldn't need any like prompting or words for you to read. Um, but yeah, a lot of our slides and a lot of my slides when I do direct instruction are just like pictures, and then I'm talking over it um, mainly because I also, when they have to do a presentation, I don't want to see a lot of writing on the slides, um, yeah. and yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, that's a little bit about like the engagement. Um, the mm -hmm. other piece that I would, I would think about going to um, remote instruction mm -hmm. is um, I think there has to be attendance taken. Yeah. Um, okay. And I think that the attendance doesn't have to be um, synchronous. Mm -hmm. Like I don't right. think that you need every single kid on a zoom meeting um, mm -hmm. or on a video conference every day. Um, mm -hmm. In fact, right. I think that might be bad practice. Uh, but I think right. some way of <laughs> yeah. every student mm -hmm. checking in every day mm -hmm. is yes. really necessary. Mm -hmm. um, right. And that's tough to find that balance of how to do mm -hmm. synchronous, asynchronous while still right. having the check-in piece. Right. Um, but ensuring that students know that attendance is, is taken and it counts, uh, I think goes a right. long way. Right. And you got to show up every day and like, 
being engaged at least every day. For my summer school, it's mandatory um, and they have to do it through Zoom. They have to log in at 11. Um, I think something that I've missed from like actual school going into like remote learning is like a bell mm -hmm. to tell me like you're on soon. Um, so I have like an alarm set on my phone just to like hear like, oh, I have five minutes to get to class um, has been really helpful. But uh, yeah, I think right now attendance is mandatory for our um, summer school students. And it's, it's nice to just like even check in with them a little bit because um, then we get to say like, good morning. Um, and the students who are really ahead, we are like, okay, thank you for checking in. Like you can go now because you don't need to listen to this lesson because you already did it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, but I, I agree. I think that somehow we need to be checking in with our students. Um, for me, we did a lot of Google Classroom, like individual, or I did at least a lot of individual, like, hey, how are you? How's, how's life? Um, yeah. It wasn't really an academic check-in, but I like, uh, how's it going? Um, mm -hmm. And it was hard with like 120 students, but yeah, it is necessary. And I think that, um, you know, the, the, there's a really tricky uh, equity and, um, you know, social injustice component of remote instruction. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I think in LA Unified, 45% uh, of students never logged on to remote instruction. Um, oh. Yeah, which is brutal. And I think a lot of that is based yeah. on lack of resources, mm -hmm. lack of access to the technology. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we also had a percentage of students who right. didn't log on consistently. Right. Um, right. I, I had contact with every one mm -hmm. of my students in some way. Yeah. Um, some of it was inconsistent. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I generally like, if you'd say we had 100% attendance in person, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the first couple weeks of remote instruction was more like 85 to 90-ish percent attendance. Right, right, yeah. Um, by the very end, by like June, it right. was down to maybe 40%. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that includes like turning stuff in and showing up to the face-to-face -face meeting. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, at least there was something there. Um, and I think in order yeah. to encourage students to keep staying engaged, um, having some kind of attendance component mm -hmm. is, is going to be necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and ideally um, it'd be great yeah. to have that attendance be face-to-face, -face, like in the classroom, mm -hmm. in person. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but if not, I think there has to be an attendance component if we want to try to minimize the equity issue. Right. Right. For sure. Um, I think ho hopefully at least for us, that won't be such an issue. Um, for high school students or for high school in general. Uh, I know my siblings kind of struggled with the attendance piece. Mm -hmm. my, both my parents worked and we're lucky that they like have had a job throughout this COVID stuff, but like they haven't been home during the time when my students or my siblings have been home um, and like are supposed to log in mm -hmm. and they're not always super motivated to get up at 9 a.m. and attend a Zoom meeting. So for sure, um, there was days where I think they like my parents got a call from the teacher like, hey, they weren't on. And my parents were like, ah, <laughs> we don't know what to do. Um, yeah, we're lucky that like they they did eventually like, get to it. But I feel like elementary school students and like for NUSD at least, or maybe not NUSD, it was hard for LA and I, I see why. <laughs> yeah. 
um, yeah, so I, mm -hmm. you know, acknowledging that piece and then figuring mm -hmm. you, you got to do something, you know, yeah. you, whether it's supplying internet um, at all of their houses. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I know that's something that we worked on. We got a lot of hotspots yeah. out and we supplied yeah. devices for every single kid so mm -hmm. that they had both internet and a device to be able right. to, to connect out with. Right. Um, but we're a, a smaller district and we already had a one-to-one um, technology mm -hmm. piece, so it was mm -hmm. a little bit more manageable. Right, right. Um, cool. Um, okay, so another thing that I feel like I've learned from this remote teaching piece mm -hmm. um, is some teachers do stuff way better than other teachers. Mm -hmm. um, and <laughs> the, the classic example is like I team taught uh, mm -hmm. with Virginia Vogel last okay. yeah. year. Um, yeah. We taught a class together and we had like 50 kids and the two mm -hmm. teachers. Right. Um, and I knew that like we each brought different strengths to the table, mm -hmm. but right. this uh, like remote stuff really made it obvious. Like she is so much better at giving feedback than I am. Right. <laughs> right. Um, like the feedback that she gave was like individual and specific and had mm -hmm. questions embedded in it. Um, right. So that kids had to like reply to her feedback. Okay. Yeah. Um, and mine was like, I read it. And then I was just like, this looks great. Good job. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and she's, she's just like, she's better at caring. She's better at expressing things. She starts right. feedback with the kid's name. Um, right. Like James, no, <laughs> James, yeah. this is a really nice idea. Uh -huh. Are you still blank, blank, blank? Like, right. Um, Sounds like Virginia. Yes. Yeah. And, and so like it, it, it was just a good eye opener and a right. reminder to me that even when uh -huh. we go back in person, mm -hmm. Right. It's really important to play to teachers' strengths mm -hmm. um, and have let, right. like give them the chance to do the stuff that they're really good at. Mm -hmm. um, right. And so if we can figure out a way to have, mm -hmm. you know, all teachers are working the same amount, but maybe in slightly right. different capacities. Right. Um, right. Like if you put together a really killer lesson on mm -hmm. climate chemistry and black carbon, mm -hmm. um, then let's you like you might be better at that than anybody else's in our school site mm -hmm. um right. and so we should use that component and then mm. let virginia give the feedback to students about that oh um, okay or right at the very yeah. least have her teach the rest of us oh yeah this piece this piece this piece that's mm -hmm. what makes better feedback that's more engaging for kids right um, oh, yeah. Like that's students resubmit work idea. more. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just details like students resubmit work more when you start mm -hmm. the feedback with their name. Right. Right. Yeah. That makes um, sense. Or if you end with a question. Right. Right. Um, um, yeah. I think you make a really good point. It's also like this is a perfect opportunity to like even though we're isolated and we aren't with other teachers to learn from them and to share our stuff. And um, like, if someone has a good physics lesson that I could use, I don't have to like spend all day trying to come up with one. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So definitely like we using each other and sharing our resources and like maybe not sharing the feedback that Virginia gives, but um, I don't know, stealing her, um, our ideas from her. Yeah. Definitely help. <laughs> um, or like, and then when we think about that, if we're also thinking about playing to teacher strengths, we can mm -hmm. also play to student strengths. 
Um, right. you, you mentioned that like the final project that you gave students, you got back YouTube videos, mm -hmm. you got back slideshows, you got mm -hmm. back children's books. Yes. Um, yeah. Students are going to bring different strengths to the table. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, I noticed that like I, I had my students doing like an ecological outside thing. Um, and so mm. some of them were doing it with like the tree outside their apartment. Um, some of them were doing it in like a wide open space. Um, and then the way that they were submitting stuff, some of them put together like really cool online cartoons because they didn't have any paper at home. Um, mm. they, they had the Chromebook that the school had issued them. Right. Um, but their strength was in mm -hmm. like making these really interesting, well-drawn through like, I don't know, Google Paint or Google Draw. Um, oh, and they made like cartoons that illustrated everything. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and it was like, oh, that's a really cool way of yeah. expressing that. And I think yeah. we, we also have to think about like, how do we play to student right. strengths? Right, yeah. Um, and this was a student who like didn't talk much in class. Mm. Um, I think English was their second language. Mm. And mm -hmm. um, you know, got into, a little bit of trouble in class uh, or outside of class, but like just did a brilliant job with a lot right. of these pieces um, around like, huh, your strength is really in explaining things in a clear and simple way. Right. Um, or like another student who wouldn't incorporate every single piece, but would mm -hmm. go so deep in the research into right. one specific area. Mm. Um, and it's like, well, if, if I want him to define all of these different terms and turn mm -hmm. in a list of definitions, he's gonna, not going to do it and do a right. better job with it. It's not right. his, his jam. Mm -hmm. um, but he will do a better, it's not a, I didn't ask for a research paper, but he's effectively right. given me one. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, and it's super in-depth on this uh -huh. very small element of what right. we we're talking about. But boy, he totally demonstrated his understanding of the carbon right. cycle. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, he's, he's only talked about one element right. of the carbon cycle, but mm -hmm. he's talked about it in more depth that it's clear that he understands every single component. Right. Nice. So I think that's, that's the other piece mm -hmm. is looking at some of the remote instruction stuff and how do we keep it open enough that right. students can play to their strengths. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. That is definitely something I learned too, is keeping things more open-ended, like I got a lot better results from students. I got a lot better um, like assignments that they turned in a lot more creative than I would have ever been able to come up with for an assignment. Yeah, tell, you know, yeah. as you mentioned, your summer school piece, if you tell them that you need a poster back, right. uh, they're gonna run into the like, well, I don't have poster paper. Right, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Of course you do, of yeah. course you don't, of course you don't. It's, uh, you right. know, it's a pandemic yeah. and yeah. why would you have poster paper sitting at home? Right, right. <laughs> um, but if you give them the opportunity of like, mm -hmm. all right, show it to me in right. some way, mm -hmm. um, then problem yeah. solved. Yeah. So I yeah. think it's, it's a nice reminder to kind of play to teacher strengths and to play mm -hmm. to student strengths. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I definitely got pleasantly surprised um, at the creativity that some of my students have with just things that I think wouldn't have thought of. Um, and like students that in class don't seem to be as engaged, I guess, um, surprised me mm -hmm. in, in terms of like how creative they could be. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. I think the, the last piece that I'm kind of thinking about in terms of um, lessons from remote instruction mm -hmm. um, was just like we talked about doing a lot of the direct instruction uh, virtually. Right. Um, doing a little bit of flipping and doing mm -hmm. some you know, video stuff for right. instruction. 
Um, but one of the other pieces is, as a lot of my students were working on projects, mm -hmm. and we talked about the importance of that just-in-time instruction. Right. I think yeah. the importance of being present mm -hmm. during the process when they are planning, when right. they are thinking, and mm -hmm. when they are analyzing. Right. Because um, that's an area where I think the teacher brings a lot of value. Mm -hmm. um, right. And so if we do go back in person mm -hmm. in the fall, Mm -hmm. that's what we're going to spend all of the class time doing. Right. Um, yes. If it's just like independent practice, they mm -hmm. can do that at home. Mm -hmm. uh, if it's direct instruction, they can do that at home. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, but if it involves like planning something out, mm -hmm. um, planning a, an experiment. Right. Uh, and coming up with process for that. Mm -hmm. um, if it involves planning like a blueprint and figuring mm -hmm. out something they're going to design. Right. Um, I think that's an area where having a teacher present is really, mm -hmm. really helpful to just right. help ask the right questions. Right. Um, yes. Similarly, if like thinking, thinking about, um, you know, what does this data mean? Mm. The yeah. actual data gathering, they mm -hmm. can probably do at home. Do at home. Mm -hmm. uh, but right. then the thinking about the meaning, the analysis right. of the data, mm -hmm. I think that is really helpful to do with somebody else. Right. Um, and so being able to do that as in person as possible. Right. Um, yes. Seems really wise. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think it's, it's almost taking all of, you know, a lesson. Right. Breaking it down into what is the student action here? Mm -hmm. And is it something that they can do in person? Or is, right. is it something that they can do at home? Or mm -hmm. is it something that the teacher input is going to be really valuable? Right. And I guess what I found is there's a lot of stuff where the teacher input mm -hmm. is really valuable. Right. So yeah. in person yeah. is going to be a lot better if it's yeah. at all possible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's what um, like ultimately guides our formative assessments, right, is how they're thinking through and how they're planning through any project more so than any quiz or test that we give them. It's like us being able to see how they um, analyze something and plan through um, a project that they're doing, whether yeah. that's like a chem experiment or something and like how they set it up um, is what we want to see. We don't want to see them take notes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a big piece, right? It, mm -hmm. Is it going to be valuable for me to see them do it? Right. Um, right. And that's the part that should be in person. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I mean, ideally all of it is in person, but right. practically we know that's not going to be the case this mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that was just a, a good reminder for me yeah. of the importance of watching that process, mm -hmm. watching yeah. the planning, watching the analysis, mm -hmm. and giving that formative feedback right. uh, during those components, especially. Right. Yeah. With that, Rosa Herrera, thank you so much for coming on and talking a little bit about uh, remote instruction. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, always a pleasure. <laughs> and enjoy the rest of your summer school experience. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, I hope to be back energized for the start of the next school year. Me too. I yes. think we all hope to be back for the start of the yes. next school year. Yes, we do. <laughs>